0: Thanks for joining us for this week's Q Ideas on Faith Radio. I'm Paul Perot with Gabe Lines, and as we get ready for Q 2018, the annual Q Conference in a few weeks in Nashville, Gabe, I know you're excited about the event and also about this year's co-host with you for the conference, artist, writer, and thinker, Baraka. Gabe, explain to us why you're so excited about his part in this year's event. He's someone for me that challenges
2: me, that helps me be Better helps expose me to some new ways of thinking, to things I need to be reading, to a world of, of content and ideas and thought that, that I'm not normally accessing. And it's just been so fruitful. And that's what I hope today's podcast is for you. I hope you're going to be listening in on a conversation between me and show about some of the difficult, I mean, we're talking topics of tension uh, related to race, related to how the church is involved in this and, and what our responsibilities are as we move into the future, But in addition to that, we're talking a little bit about Q and the event that sort of is our main event every year. It's the flagship moment for us every year. We work towards this coming up April 11th, so it's really just a few weeks away. And at this event this year, April 11th through 13th, we're so excited about, again, a whole – list of presenters, many of which you haven't heard present before at Q. That's kind of how we like it. We're loving introducing so many thoughtful people into your world, into your orbit of thinking and approach to how you're going to think about issues and handling so many difficult conversation. And I got to tell you, every year is my favorite year. And that's because every year is different. And as we look at 2018 and we try to understand our landscape, we try to understand the the conversations you're trying to have with your family members, your friends, in your workplace, we're assessing that and saying, how can we help equip these leaders, no matter what channel of culture they're in, to be prepared for those conversations, to be smart, to be thoughtful. If they don't have time to read the entire book, at least get the summary of the book that allows them to have a little bit of understanding. And if they want to go deeper, go read the book. But if they can't, they at least got to understand perspective on really important topics. And so part of why I'm talking with Show today is he's going to be co-hosting this year with me, which I'm thrilled about. We'll talk a little bit about how that came about and how we think about that and why that was important. But in addition to that, I, I want you to have a little bit of an understanding of kind of what goes into the Q conference. I know we get a lot of questions about how do you come up with these topics? How do you think through that? Is is this just random? Because if you look at the list of speakers and topics there is a sense of going, man, this is a bit random. But for us, it's not random at all. There is a formula to this. There's a theory behind that. And I want to tell you a little bit about that right now. The, the first part of it is we think about the seven channels of culture. That's something we've always talked about. We believe that God's called each of us to live out his kingdom purposes in the world. And for all of us, that's a lot of different types of places. It's different occupations. It's different industries. It's different cities and communities. It's different influences. And so with that, we've categorized those seven channels as media, entertainment, the church, the government, the social sector. We look at education and business and all of these different channels as places through which – Every one of us in a society live and operate and function. And those seven channels of cultural influence influence all of us. So what does it mean for us to be a part of those? What does it mean for us to live faithfully and take our skills and our talents, but also our worldview, our perspective on what leads to human flourishing into those places? So when we think about topics that we're talking about at Q, we're looking at every one of those channels and we're making sure we're addressing topics in those channels with leaders who are living this out in those channels. So that's number one. Number two, we're looking at current issues. We're trying to understand what are the issues being talked about right now at street level, in the news, in the church, amongst peers and friend groups, sitting around the dinner table. What are those conversations? And let's make sure we're bringing something to those. Let's bring truth to those. Let's bring stories. Let's bring perspective. So this year, we're talking about, I'm going to just list a few of these things. Mental health. We're going to be discussing the need for that in a world that's got a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress, a lot of depression, loneliness. What does it mean for us as the church to think well about that? We're also talking about Me Too. This conversation about women, how they've been treated, how their voices maybe have not been lifted up, have not been heard, have been ignored. That moment's coming now. And and as that has come in our culture, the church has a responsibility to also be leading in that, thinking well about that, listening to the voices in the church who feel like they haven't been heard. So there's going to be some of that happening. I've also got topics that really engage race. And I know we've talked about that for the last few years, and it's so important, though. It's such a divisive thing happening in our culture that the church is uniquely gifted to engage. So we're going to talk about that in, in a few moments with Show. I'm going to ask him about one of those topics we're talking about, which is reparations. So just hang in there. That's a big topic, but I want you to hear about that. We also have Tony Hale coming in, who's an amazing entertainer. He's on a show called Veep and plays a really funny role in in that episodic television series. But he's a great guy whose faith really drives the way he sees the world and how he operates in that world. So he'll be with us. But there's also people that maybe you haven't heard of yet that we want to introduce you to, like Ashley Matthews, who's at a church in in Atlanta called Trinity Anglican, but talking about gender equality in the church. So as I said earlier, we talk about Me Too. We want to talk about how do we lead forward? How do how do we look at some couples who are leading together, like Henry and Alex Seeley, who lead a church called The Belonging? We're going to Listen to their stories. We've got Bianca Olthoff with us talking about breaking chains. We've got David Coleman. He's the head of something called the College Board. It's probably the most influential institution in college and university education in the country who's going to be talking about pluralism. What does it look like? for different ideas to flourish when they're sitting under kind of the same umbrella, the same roof. Is that possible? Do we need a zero sum game or is there ways in which we can work together? And we think, of course there are, we also have Tony Evans with us talking about the kingdom, something he's been talking about for decades, but never been to Q. And so it's going to be exciting to have him with us. If You're a leader. If you're a Christian, who's trying to engage culture today, you need to be in the know on this. You need to hear from these people. The other thing that we do at Q, of course, is in the evenings, we try to create just fun experiences. And that's going to be part of the event this year as usual. We've got the Praxis Business Plan competition where you hear actually from founders who've created organizations. They're at that level where they're ready to scale big time. And they pitch to you their big idea. And you get to vote on which ones you think are the best. And then they get to actually speak on the main stage at Q the next day. That's always fun. There's also going to be a film screening at the Belcourt Theater that's going to be great. I'll tell you about that here in just a couple of weeks. We've got farm-to-table dinners that you can participate in. Wicked is in town. So the show Wicked, if you've not seen the Broadway show, we've actually secured special experience for that night where you can go and enjoy uh, the Wicked experience. So that's happening. We've got private music concerts happening, after parties, places for people to connect and find one another. We do panels, Q&As, where you get to engage with People who are in your industry, but maybe you never get to talk to them about some of these tough questions of how do they think about faith as it relates to their industry. We're creating debates so you can actually sit and listen to two sides of debate. So all of this is happening April 11 through 13. You can learn more at qideas.org/2018. But without any further ado, I want to get into this conversation with Show Baraka. So let's listen in now. Show, thanks for being with us today. Thank you for having me, Gabe. Appreciate it. So as we talk today, I mean, there's a couple of different things I want us to talk about. One is I want people to get to know you a little bit better. You've become a good friend of mine and somebody I'm learning a lot from and just gaining. I feel like my mind's just expanding. The more we have conversations, I'm learning, I'm seeing new perspectives. It's really helping me. And so thank you, number one, just for being my friend and helping me in in that sense. But in addition, you know, one of the things you and I have been talking about this year is what would it look like at Q, which is our conference coming up in just a few weeks, April 11th through 13th, um, for you to be more a part of that and, and help yeah. really give me insights into some things that, that I'm learning, that you're learning, that, that maybe we need to be talking about at Q, but also helping, you know, co-host in some way. So, so that's going to be fun. So, so anyway, there's a lot to talk about. The first up for those who never met you before, maybe they're totally unfamiliar with you. And your work, I want them to get to know you a little bit and just hear a little bit about your, your story, kind of how you've come to focus uh, a lot of your time and energy not only on just creating art, but also entertain. I mean, you're an entertainer. You're funny. You you like to stir <laughs> things up. And it's and it's. I, I pulled my 15 year old in the other day to watch uh, your your latest episode of your television show, and I mean, he's laughing. I'm laughing. I'm like, man, show is so funny. So you're doing all kinds of interesting things to engage a lot of different audiences, but give us the backstory on that. How did you come to be at this place right now?
1: Well, thank you, first of all, for having me on. It's exciting. I appreciate the work you do. Uh, I will say that I don't know if we're good friends yet. We're not good friends until you uh, invite me to dinner and I'm comfortable using your bathroom. So <laughs> All right. We'll check that off the list here in the next yeah. couple of months. We're, we're friends right now. We'll graduate <laughs> to good friends. But um, I grew up in a house that um, was very packed. (laughs) And uh, I have three siblings, but we had cousins who were like brothers and sisters. And in order to get your, to be noticed, you you have to be rambunctious, loud, or charismatic. That means you were also competing with other charismatic, rambunctious kids. And so it kind of stuck with me. And we all collaborate as kids, whether it would be creatively building things, getting into trouble, are even like artistically trying to express ourselves. And so my parents always encouraged that. They never stifled that imagination and that innovation. And also I will say that my parents really impressed on me a lot of black culture. And so one of the things that I learned at a very young age was about the Harlem Renaissance. And for those who don't aren't necessarily familiar with the Harlem Renaissance, it was just a great movement of of writers, thinkers and artists and activists who resided in Harlem and people would come to Harlem to be a part of this movement, and one of the more popular names w- w- was an individual Langston Hughes. And so, at a young age, I remember reading his work and trying to emulate. So I wanted to be a poet. I remember up until high school writing poetry, but mm. it, it hit me, it dawned on me really quick that the girls were actually liking rappers. And so
2: <laughs> I was like, well, uh, poetry was I'm, too soft. It was just yeah, it wasn't. Down.
1: It wasn't. It wasn't edgy enough. You know what I mean? <laughs> If I'm talking about a Raisin deferred, there, you know, in Tupac is now nah, it's like, it wasn't quite, right. it wasn't quite connected. So I was like, well, let, let me make this transition to rap. It <laughs> <laughs> was an incentive. Yeah, there was benefits to it. And so I did. And I noticed that I was, you know, fairly decent at it. As I began to kind of learn the craft, I became a Christian like many years later in college. It was just beginning to wrestle with what does it look like to use this, this gift to not only Communicate an aesthetic that I'm passionate about, but to communicate these truths and this worldview that I that I now am attached to, and using it for the benefit of not just the, myself, but the benefit of other people, and yeah. so and the kingdom. And so that's kind of just led me to this path of music and activism and understanding who I am and trying to connect these all these different intersections that I that I find myself in, meeting different artists and starting a label to leaving that label to being kind of like a more independent and I guess you can say controversial rapper in these last couple of years. <laughs> well, you're becoming
2: <laughs> a, um, I mean, you think back to the Harlem Renaissance and just all that was happening during that period of time. And it's like, in a lot of ways, that's what you're embodying right now. You got a lot of different art forms coming out of yeah. your world, right? From hip hop music and spoken word to we'll talk in a moment about, you know, even writing a musical, a hip hop musical. I mean, there's so many cool things, happening. And, and it does make sense that as a kid, that was something cultivated in you. It, you were given permission to play and not to have all these boundaries around what you have to do. And, and it seems like even in your, you know, your earliest years still of your career, you've always felt that flexibility to go with what you're sensing you're supposed to say, how you're supposed to say it, what the cultural moments demanding. And so it's been fun to watch that. And, you know, tell yeah. us a little bit about Fourth District, because that's kind of the the main website, right? Where people, if they want to they want to find you, this is where they can kind of see a lot of this taking place.
1: No, yeah. So one of the things that I felt an affinity towards was being able to, like, I've always felt restricted within the Christian context of what we're allowed to talk about, what we're allowed, how we're allowed to celebrate life, how we're allowed to talk about tough issues. And there were not enough spaces in my opinion, especially within the urban context of color, to do that because there are either extremely secular spaces, which, you know, oftentimes marginalize people who who want to communicate faith issues, or there are extremely religious spaces that kind of relegated conversations of sex and music and culture to things that are worldly, right? Yeah. And I did notice that in some spaces, particularly in white evangelical spaces, there were people who were doing that. Um, but oftentimes when you try to integrate into those, those spaces and talk about blackness, it just, it kind of gets weird and awkward. Or you're just like a special interest. (laughs) You Mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Like Mm -hmm. on the the drop down menu. And so I was like, well, what what does it look like to be able to engage culture, to give space for thinkers and creators and innovators to just talk about all the things that they feel is, they feel a taboo in their space, but doing it from a a paradigm that or from a worldview that holds to Christian ethics, not, and our site doesn't just promote Christian value. There are people who speak who aren't necessarily Christian, but we do have some specific guidelines. And so for obstacles of that, it was, it's a space for thinkers and creators to
2: to just connect. And I feel like that's probably where you and I have just connected so dearly is it's just around Creating spaces for conversations that sometimes yeah. you kind of get hit from both sides, right? You're not, you're not conservative enough and in, in some Absolutely. of the things you're trying to engage or you're being criticized for being too liberal or progressive because you're trying to talk about the real topics and issues people are talking about. And so I know just in getting to know you, I have resonated with just that desire to kind of be right on that edge where, you know, it's like they say about people who are building bridges are constantly being walked on. And I know you probably feel that yeah. a lot, you know, and, and, and that's partly, you know, at Q, that's why, you know, when we found each other and and you came to Q last year and gave an awesome talk called the gentrification of Christianity, which was a, a new perspective and a new way of applying the word gentrification to something, which I had never heard. And most people hadn't, and it was really <laughs> good. And you got us thinking, you know, about, the way Christianity has been perceived at least in the last couple hundred years is generally this white faith. That's that's roots are white that go back in time to some white, you know, ancestry and you're helping remind us like that's not necessarily our history. Let's not get so comfortable thinking that that's who we are, or where we've come from, because it actually limits our imagination for what God's been doing in the world. And we're ignorant to a lot of times. Yeah. Uh, and as we look towards the future, what, what is this future going to yeah, look absolutely. like that if we in the kingdom can't imagine it, then, then who is and, and how's it going forward? I know that's a deep passion of yours is to help,
1: help us understand our roots, right? Yeah. No, absolutely. And, I, and this is one reason why when I heard, when, I mean, I had heard of Q before in the past, you guys just got wise enough to invite me, but, um, <laughs> But I've always felt like there was something about what you were doing and even some of the other organizations, institutions you worked with and helped kind of start. Just to throw it back a little bit, I remember years, years, years ago, uh, you had – a, guy and this is before I even knew who you were. And it's funny because I had to go back and make sure it was you. You had uh, Jeff Johnson. That's right. Yeah, yeah. On your – on a cue. That
2: was our first queue. That was our first cue, 2007 in Atlanta at the Tabernacle, Jeff Johnson.
1: Oh my gosh. And I remember listening to, because I love Jeff. Like Jeff, um, I have been following Jeff before I become a Christian or Hmm. probably early in my Christian walk. And I've always appreciated his commentary. And when I remember listening to his talk and he talked about youth ministry and the the struggles of kind of integrating ministry and urbanization and blackface and it was just, I was like, wow, this is brave to invite this dude to speak at this, this predominantly white this like event. Right. And, I, and ever since then, I remember thinking like, this guy, this guy Gabe, maybe he may be all right. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, I,
2: I passed the first test. Well, we yeah. Listen, I and I know we've talked about this. I mean, I'm learning. We're all learning. We're all growing and trying to expand our perspectives and get exposure to things we've never heard before. You know, and I, that's what I love yeah. about. My friendship with you and so many other people who are different than me is, is how much I'm growing, right? If you're not growing, you're dying and, and I yeah. grow by being challenged by other people's ideas and, and, uh, and you know, but the, the ones, and, and I would say this is, I think this is true for all of us. We, we're also drawn to those who have a patience to help us grow and learn. And, and I do sense in this conversation about race, right? With the, the, the dominant white majority perspective that's, that has dominated a lot of the conversation, the writing, the, the way of thinking and a lot of a lot of the sort of evangelical church, you know, there's been a pushback in the last couple of years, pretty pretty seriously uh, on yep. where that's going to go, and and where does that need to be torn down? Do we need to recreate, rebuild, restructure? Do, do African American leaders need to go create their own events because these other events are just for white people and they're dominated by white thinking? And I and I would just say. This last decade for us with Q has been constantly trying to expose ourselves to these other ways of thinking so that we stay right on that front edge of the conversation because we don't think it benefits the kingdom or the body to just bifurcate and to split off and say, let's go have our own conversations. I mean, we've, we've been pushing against that for a long time, but it's, it's friends like you and Adam Thomason and Lecrae and, and David Bailey and just so many others who've just helped say, no, we're going to have patience to help you understand what we've been thinking about for a while. We also can learn from what you're seeing and understanding and together let's learn, let's build each other stronger. We might not agree on everything. We might look at some things you do or I do and and go, man, I wouldn't have done that. That was a mistake. Don't say it that way. You just messed up, but I'm going to have grace, you know, And I think that's what's been so encouraging to me about you and so many others is that grace to say, I'm going to have some patience uh, to engage this.
1: Yeah. And I will say this. I will applaud you for being humble in your posture and listening, because oftentimes when I speak about issues from people talk about reconciliation and multi ethnicity in these very in this very colorful light, but it's not easy. It's very messy. It's very, it's very jaded in the sense. And we can't talk about reconciliation unless we start talking about issues of repentance and issues of like talking about the truth. And, and I think that you've uh, amongst most people, especially people with large platforms have been most gracious and humble. And the sad thing is that I have to say that I have to applaud you for being humble when you should be right. Like right. we all, like that should be our natural posture in a sense, when we're being challenged about things that could be Awry in our life but i've I've spoken with many men and women who run institutions and who have not had that same posture and, it, and it's heartbreaking uh, because oftentimes when an individual like myself or I, like you said Adam Thomason, when we approach and we and we critique the systems and the institutions that have benefited off of ignorance, segregation, and yeah. racism, we are often seeing to your point earlier like i've been called everything from a communist to, I don't know, snowflake. And on the other side, you know, uh homophobe or mm-hmm. whatever, mm-hmm. right? Because just because you, you, you hold convictions mm-hmm. and I, and I, even in myself, I find myself trying to say like, am I these things? Am I gracious with my, my language? Am I strong, but am I gracious? Am I compassionate? But am I holding my convictions? And where am I being a little ignorant? Because segregation and to to bifurcate and have these conversations is dangerous but people also understand why it was necessary for the point of time especially in the black context
0: this is q ideas with Gabe blinds unfortunately we have to press the pause button on this conversation between gabe and show we'll bring you the rest next week in another edition of q ideas and gabe as we wrap up this week's show what are some of your final thoughts for us this week
2: As I mentioned earlier, this is just one of those conversations needing to be had, and you can only go so far in a podcast, but these are the types of conversations Christians need to be having with one another, especially those of you who are in leadership, who have responsibilities, who are leading churches, who are leading organizations, who are trying to think ahead about the future, and what is that future we're trying to create, not just for ourselves, for our children? What is the hope we're trying to give to the broader society about where the world ought to be going? How do we really flourish? And so we must not abdicate that responsibility. We we need to lead in that. And show's one of those people trying to do that. We're trying to do that. And so we hope you'll join us again at Q where there's going to be all kinds of wonderful topics. We talked about a few of those, but experiences, amazing people. Like part of the vision for Q when we began Q was to help create a place where people could find one another who were like-minded in the sense that they believed, We as Christians have a responsibility to partner with God, to be a part of the renewal of all things. And that should be happening no matter where we've been called, no matter what our economic or socioeconomic status is, no matter what our race is. We are called to be right in that place he's put us and to restore, to have a vision for how things ought to be and to lead others to participate in that, to get to experience kingdom life and and the gospel and how the good news plays out in tangible ways in this world. And so for three days, we celebrate that. We talk about it. We wrestle with the tough issues. We don't try to come to every conclusion you could possibly come to. But we're creating space for conversations that many people don't feel like they can have anymore. But at Q, you're always going to be able to have them. And we're going to be here every year having these dialogues. We think they're important. We think every year that goes by they're getting more important. We know that people even this year are buying entire tables of eight And they're bringing family members. They're using it as a way to reunite with people they haven't talked to in a few years where they know they need to be having deeper dialogues. And so if you're drawn to this, if this is something you want to do, come participate. We've we've got our ticket prices as low as they've ever been. We're making it as easy for you to participate as we possibly can. But it still takes a commitment. It takes a financial commitment. It takes a time commitment. And it takes a commitment to just say, I need to grow in this. You know, some of these issues never feel urgent. They're not the kinds of things that are prying at you every day saying, you must give attention to me. And that's why you're leaders, because you understand that as leaders, you have to be proactive on these things. So be proactive. Make a commitment. We still have some seats available. We have some tables still available if you want to join us. This event will sell out. It will be completely full in the next couple of weeks. That will start to happen with the limited number of seats that we have. But come together with 2,000 of us. Be in Nashville, experience this, see what God does in your heart, your life, your imagination when you participate. And know that by March 14th, that's our next price deadline. So to get the best rate that's available right now, come by March 14th and to get better rates, get two tickets, get a half table. If you still have the opportunity to pull an entire group together and drive to Nashville, do that. Get a table of eight uh, where you can get the best ticket prices. But either way, we just hope you'll come join us. And for those of you who just can't join us, these talks that we're doing, they don't all release. We don't we don't really have a way to live stream this, or, or I guess we have a way to, but we intentionally decide not to live stream this because we value the in-person dialogue that happens. And so there's not another way to kind of experience this. You have to be here. And so come join us. Come be a part of it. We can't wait to meet you. Learn more at qideas.org slash 2018. Looking forward to continuing these conversations and continuing the learning next week. On our next Q podcast, until then, we'll be praying for you and pray that you continue to lead well wherever God's called you. This show is made possible in partnership with Faith Radio and Northwestern Media.
0: Thank you for listening to the Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make your gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. To avoid missing future editions of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or on your podcast player. And thank you for sharing this audio link with a friend and growing the impact of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons.